Hello and welcome along to today's Southampton audio programme for their fixture against Wolverhampton Wanderers. As usual, we have our sections such as the feature interview and Franny Benali, but first, a word from your manager, Nathan Jones. Dear supporters, welcome to St Mary's for this afternoon's Premier League match against Wolves. I would also like to welcome Julian Lapotigue, his coaching staff and players and the travelling Wolves fans to our home. It has been a hectic period for us and a lot has happened since my last programme notes. A fortnight ago we progressed to the fifth round of the FA Cup with an important victory over Blackpool. I felt we controlled the majority of the tie but then we started to create our own problems which made it a tighter game than it needed to be in the closing stages. We then played the second leg of our Carabao Cup semi-final at Newcastle where an already tough task was made almost impossible by the first 20 minutes at St James's Park. But I thought the response from the players was excellent. We got a goal back before half-time and dominated the second half possession. Had we managed to score another goal, which we had the chances to do, who knows what might have happened against 10 men, but ultimately we left ourselves too much to do. That night, on transfer deadline day, we were able to add Gamaladin Suleimana and Paul Onowachu to our squad, two players that will give us much more potency in attacking areas for the second half of the season. Gamaladin is extremely quick and very talented with the ball at his feet, while Paul offers us a physical presence up front and an impressive goal-scoring record throughout his career. Those two additions took us to five signings in January, following the arrivals of Mislav Orsic, Carlos Alcaraz and James Bree, along with the return of Jan Benderek from loan, ensuring we are strengthened in every department. Today we are determined to put things right after a performance at Brentford that did not represent Southampton Football Club. We were not aggressive enough and didn't play quickly enough when we were in possession. We had to play with much more intensity today against a rejuvenated Wolves side, but we know that. We have had a full week to prepare and we are ready to put in a performance. Of course, I understand the frustration of the fans in those circumstances. But what we ask for today is you get behind the players and give everything to help them through the game from the first minute to the last. Because what we all want to see is a successful Saints team on the pitch. We march on. Is Paul Onoachu now the Premier League's tallest player? What's more important is that the imposing striker puts his six foot seven inch frame to good use, embraces the physicality of English football and continues scoring goals at the prolific rate that led him back to St Mary's. It's more than seven years since Paul Onoachu last set foot inside St Mary's in what was a different set of circumstances. Southampton's deadline day signing, one of two to arrive in the nick of time together with 20-year-old winger Kamaladin Suleimana, Onoachu is excited at the prospects of making his home debut this afternoon. But this is not his first St Mary's rodeo. The towering striker, who stands at 6 foot 7 inches, was a member of the Michelin team faced by Ronald Koeman's Saints in a 2015-16 Europa League qualification playoff. Coman's side fell behind to a first-half goal from a Staplewood Academy graduate that night, scored by former Finland captain Tim Sprav. Saints fought back to level off the interval through Jay Rodriguez's penalty before Onoachu's introduction as a late substitute. When Saints were beaten 1-0 in the second leg in Denmark, the European dream would have to wait one more year. The following campaign is the one that stood the test of time as Saints topped Italian giants Inter and travelled in their thousands to Milan and Prague. But for Onoachu, the memory remains of 2015. I came here with Michelin in the Europa League. I remember it was 1-1. I think Tim Sparv scored, he recalls accurately. I think I played 10 minutes or 15 if I remember right. 
I'm really excited to meet the Saints fans and to play the first home game here. His appearance off the bench that night was actually far more fleeting, but from that moment, Onoachu's career went from strength to strength. The Nigerian international, a teammate of Joe Rebo, scored 62 goals in his last three seasons in Denmark, securing a move to KRC Genk in 2019, where his record was even more impressive, racking up a grand total of 85 goals in 134 appearances for the Belgian side. Onoachu's desire to become a saint is cleared from the league position of his former club. Genk sits seven points clear at the top of the Belgian Pro League and on course for a first title since he signed. He's also relinquished the chance to win the Golden Boots as he currently tops the scoring charts too, though he already has one of those on the mantelpiece for a career-best 35 campaign in 2020-2021. The numbers have been great, he says modestly. That also has to do with my previous team, of course, and my previous teammates, the way we play, the way they play. I think that's what brought me up to this stage and brought me to Southampton, to the Premier League, to really try to impact it here. The 28-year-old had a lot to gain by staying where he was, including the chance to play next season's Champions League. But the opportunity to make his mark in England is a lifelong dream. He was not prepared to let him pass by. It's a decision I took because coming to Southampton and playing in the Premier League, the best league in the world, and coming to really impact my own team. It's something big for me, for my career, he explains. I think it had to be now or never. I'm at the right age and I had to take this challenge and test myself to impact my team. Hopefully we do something great together. Since I heard they were interested, I've been looking and I think it's quite a traditional club and a traditional city. It's a nice place to be, a nice club. I'm very excited to be here. I have always followed the Premier League, watching it week in, week out, seeing the games. It's a whole different ball game, the intensity, the duels. Every player dreams of playing in the Premier League and of course I'm happy to be here. Last week was a stressful one, even for Onuachu, who appears a calm, gentle giant on the first meeting. He initially became aware of Saints' interest, he reveals, around four days before the January 31st transfer deadline. What complicated things further was his prospective employer's Carabao Cup semi-final, second leg that night at Newcastle, as well as the club's ongoing interest in Suleimana. Ultimately, both players were announced after the official 11pm GMT deadline, flying to England later in the week in time to make their debuts as second-half substitutes at Brentford last Saturday. There was a lot of tension, says Onuachu, who can smile about it now. I was calling my agent asking, how's it going? But at the end, the deal was done. There was a lot of tension on that day. My club was really delaying. After training, I rushed up there. I didn't even take my shower. My agent said, calm, Paul. You have to go back, take your shower. I was in the club for the whole day until midnight, but at the end it really paid off. Everybody here has been helpful in showing me around and getting me along with the team, even though it has been just a week, so it has been really, really good to be here. It proved to be a baptism of fire in West London for the deadline day duo, but this week has marked a fresh start, the chance to fully integrate with their new teammates on the training pitch, forge relationships and learn what's expected of them. While Suleimana is lightning quick and a dazzling dribbler, Onoachu is a physical specimen, with some outlets claiming he is now the Premier League's tallest player, measuring more than two metres from head to toe. Many of his goals in Belgium were scored with his head. With James Ward-Prowse in the Saints ranks, the league's best set-piece taker, the signing makes sense. Of course, it helps a lot having this height. 
I'm in there with my height to make a difference in the box, so I think that's why God gave me this height, he laughs, relaxed from day one. If I have the right balls in the box, of course you can see my height. We'll tell. James is one of the best in the league with his service and his free kicks, so of course I'm happy to be coming here with someone like him. I, I think it's going to really help the team and me a lot. Onuachu you knows there is an element of risk in this move and that Saints may need him to re reproduce the sort of numbers that fired Genk into the Pro League Summit. He's not shy in addressing the precarious position of his new club, but can't wait to tackle the Premier League and put his size to good use. Whilst many players coming from abroad need time to adapt to the physical nature of the division, Onuachu believes he is tailor-made to get rough and ready with Premier League defences. It's very physical, I must say, he reflects on his Brentford bow. Even when I made my debut, playing for 45 minutes, I felt, OK, you have to be ready, Paul. This is a very physical league. I am very motivated. It's a huge challenge coming here, but we are on the last table and everybody is working to really try to lead the relegation zone. It's a huge challenge, not just for me, but for everybody in the team. I'm going to give it my all and if I have the chance to play and to try and help the team to survive. I think I have the physique and I have the height. And I have the size. Let the battle begin. Time now for your Southampton women's update. Southampton women cemented their place in third of the Barclays women's championships table as they beat Crystal Palace 2-0 at St Mary's. Saints nearly had the perfect start as Sophia Farrow nearly nicked the ball on the edge of the box. Palace's Liz Waldy passed back to her keeper but an onrushing Megan Vinn sped through to block the clearance with the ricochet flying high across the box. The aggressive press from the home side caused issues early on for all the Eagles. Hard-working Alice Griffiths providing an inviting cross after winning the ball, which was tipped away from Laura Rafferty's head, before Wynn was able to knock down a cross from the opposite side into the path of Ella Morris, whose shot was held by Fran Kitching. Saints were soon creating chances from all over the pitch. Morris was once again denied by Kitching as a beautifully weighted ball over the top saw the number three one-on-one, -on -one, only to have a high-rising shot pushed over the bar. Kayla Rendell was forced into her first real save of the game just after the half-hour mark, as a cross shot from Blanchard sailed towards the back post, but Saints' keeper was able to tip away. As the first half moved into four minutes of added time, Saints ramped up the pressure. Some very tied-up build-up play saw Sophia Farrow slip into a pocket in front of goal, with the forward making no mistake in slotting the ball past. At the start of the second half, Debutant Chloe Petlow took to the pitch, replacing Griffiths, who had received a knock in the first half, against the side she had previously played on loan for. Farrow nearly got her second just five minutes into the half, as Rosie Parnell delivered a ball deep into the box, the number 12 chesting the ball forward before being shut down. Saints looked more likely as play continued towards the hour mark, with Kendall the next player to threaten the England youth international going inches from a ball that Morris flashed across the box from wide. A second chance saw Megan Wynn replaced by Katie Wilkinson in attack before the introduction of Ella Pusey, replacing goalscorer Farrow, provided further fresh legs in the 90th minute, as the fourth official indicated seven minutes to be added on. Three minutes into those, Pusey stole the ball from the Palace centre-back and slot past Kitching to double the deficit with their third of the season. Four minutes of scrappy play followed, but Palace failed to weave their way back into the points, and so Saints ended as deserved winners after a composed performance. Time now for your tactical watch, as usual, provided by Sam Tai. What's the mood around Wolverhampton Wanderers at the moment? 
Wolves have looked like a team transformed of late. With a new manager, Julian Lepotigu, and a host of new signings through the door in January, things are feeling very different at Molyneux when compared to the early months of the season. They arrive at St Mary's on the back of a 3-0 win over Liverpool. It was a game that was pretty much decided in the first 15 minutes, with Wolves starting fast and racing into a two-goal lead. And the first lesson to heed from that is that their opening intensity will need to be matched. In Pablo Sarabia, Mateus Cunha, Craig Dawson and ex-Saint Mario Lamina, they have fresh faces breathing energy into the team. All are eager to make an impact from the first whistle. How does this wall side differ from those in the recent past? It's difficult to think of a time where Wolves felt more tactically flexible than this. Their strong Premier League sides, built by Nuno Espirito Santo and then Bruno Large, were easily identifiable by their steady formation. 3-4-3 under Nuno, 4-3-3 under Large. But Laportigu has switched things up regularly. He's used a 4-3-3, a 4-2-3-1, a 4-4-2 and a back three shapes already, changing the full-backs, pushing central midfielders, Matias Nunes wide to the left and even unleashing Ruben Neves in a more attacking role at times. It's the Neves role change that's most notable. He's been one of the league's finest deep line playmakers for some time now, but he's now combining those possession skills with attacking runs and against Liverpool, goals. Adding Lamina to the midfield has provided the balance to allow that to happen. Cunha's an unorthodox number nine who will look to drop and drift to receive the ball and then dribble. He hasn't tended to be a striker who anchors the team in goal scoring, more one that brings the best out of the team of an attacking midfield corps and helps them or contribute. So what should Saints be wary of? Well, set pieces are always key, but when you're up against Craig Dawson, you have to be particularly wary. A towering centre-back scored his 19th Premier League goal on his debut for Wolves last week against Liverpool. Pressing Wolves is quite difficult, as Nunes and Neves in particular are extremely good at shimmying away from pressure and challenges. Nathan Jones hinted that we'll see a more aggressive Southampton side here, but a balance will have to be struck. Sarabia's off-the-ball movements will prove a challenge for Southampton's defenders, who must be constantly switched on, and not only to track him, but to watch for Neves' runs too. Traore's brute force dribbling style offers another very different thing to think about too, particularly when the game breaks down into transition. It was a busy January transfer window for Saints and a bit of a manic deadline day with two signings arriving and the Carabao Cup semi-final second leg being played at Newcastle United on the same night. I was really pleased to see the club able to strengthen the squad with the arrivals of Paul Onoachu and Kamaladeen Sulimana. I'm looking forward to seeing more of what they can bring to our club along with Charlie Alcaraz, Mislav Osic and James Bree. I enjoyed working with Sky Sports for our Carabao Cup semi-final tie against Newcastle, but the outcome was disappointing because we didn't make it through to the final. It was a great opportunity and as we know now, we would have set up a rerun of the 2017 final against Manchester United. We now must focus all our energy on the Premier League and the FA Cup. It is clear to see for everyone that something has got to change and we have got to turn around our results. I've been in teams in the past that have been struggling with concerns about retaining our Premier League status, but I'm proud to say I was never relegated. It does take a lot to keep the belief and the confidence going, and there are minimum requirements that everyone must give. That goes for all games, but we need to show those qualities even more so now to scrap for every single point. We're on a position where we have no choice but to do that. Today we face Wolves, and I'll be watching the game for BT Sport score. Our opponents today arrive at St Mary's after an impressive win. 
Any team that beats Liverpool will have to do something well. No team will hand us points. The time for speaking has gone now and it's time for action. We need to battle and fight for everything for the rest of the season because what we have been doing has not been good enough. Today will be a massive game in setting the tone. We've had several six-pointers recently that we haven't capitalised on. There is the importance of picking up points consistently in general, but more so against the teams around you in the table. We are in a scrap for survival. There is no getting away from that. Every single player has got to share that passion, desire and commitment that so many people have for this club. I know they are trying, and that is difficult, but I always preferred being a player and being in control of my own destiny on the pitch. All of us go through times of adversity in our lives and it is time like this that you really learn about yourself. We've got to show a togetherness to get out of it. We all want to do our best to turn things around and all of us connected with the club have a part to play now. You Saint supporters have made a huge difference when we've been in a position like this in the past and we all have a role to play now in getting behind the team. Franny.